You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Who's ready to preview what could be the strangest season in NFL history? I am... And with that, I'd like to welcome you to another edition of Lemp's Talk and Pack. I am your host, Chris Lempsis, coming to you once again from my basement packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here with my official 2020 Green Bay Packers season preview. Oh yeah, it's here, folks. Football season is here. It might feel like it snuck up on you because, well, it sort of did. And like I just said a second ago, it's almost guaranteed to be the weirdest goddamn season we've ever seen. But football season is here. The pack are back. As I record this, our beloved Green and Gold are less than three days away from their season openers. They'll travel to Minneapolis to take on the Minnesota Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. At noon Lambeau time Sunday, there will be no fans at the game as the Vikings will be pumping in crowd noise. A very smooth transition for that franchise, I'll say that. It's going to be so weird, isn't it? It's just going to be the weirdest, strange, strange, weird times. No fans at the game on Sunday. The Packers won't have fans for at least their first two games at Lambeau. I would expect that'll be... Most of, if not all, the games at Lambeau will have no fans. Have to wait and see on that. But every team is different, you know? The Browns and the Bengals, I think, are allowed. I think they're each going to have, what is it, 6,500 fans? Up to, they're allowed to have up to 6,500 fans at each of their games. The Saints, I think, got approved to have fans at games, starting with their Week 3 Sunday night game against the Packers. Uh, not sure how many there will be at the... Uh, whatever they're calling the Supers at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So I have to wait and see on that. It's just, it's just, it's going to be so strange. Do you know what I mean? Like, what does home field advantage even mean now? Does it mean anything? You know, for my whole life as a Packer fan, Minneapolis has been a brutal place for the Packers to go play. Will it be on Sunday? I mean, you got to think it won't be as brutal, right? New Orleans, I just mentioned, that's an infamously tough place for opponents to go play. But will it be tough? I mean, if there's, you know, 10,000 fans, 12,000 fans, no, it won't be as tough. So it's a little bit like what's been going on in the NBA bubble, you know, and in Major League Baseball and all these sports where there's no fans. What does home field advantage even mean? Does it mean anything? At this point, I think it means nothing or at least very, very little. It's going to be so weird. And obviously training camp was weird as hell. That felt strange compared to previous years. You know, I know I said on the season preview um, or the training camp preview, I said, you know, I I, I might come back. I might pop back in and do another kind of like, hey, where are we at with the Packers and training camp podcast? And I never did just because, you know, it just didn't make much sense. Without preseason games, it's hard. Preseason games are the biggest gauge to me of where a team and where players are at. Uh, during camp with no preseason games it was impossible to really gauge any of that stuff and then the Packers cutting back on you know media 
stuff, what the press was allowed to report, what they could film, what they couldn't film. I mean, it just, I don't know. The whole thing felt weird. I got mad. You know, I was pissed off about that at first that they cut back media access. But I got to say, I mean, if, begrudgingly, I, I do think maybe it made some sense. I mean, is it possible that, like, an advanced scout for an opponent has tweet deck up and is looking for, you know, going through Packers beat guy stuff to see who's playing where on the offensive line or, you know, in the secondary or whatever? Yeah, it's possible. So I guess, you know, I was mad about it and it still kind of irks me because, you know, I'm a, I'm a J-school kid. I have a journalism degree from the University of Minnesota and stuff. But... I got. I understood why Gutekunst and Lafleur did what they did more as camp went on. It kind of made more sense to me. Okay, so kind of derailed a little bit already, but that's good. That's what I do. So I'll lay out the table of contents, if you will, for today's show. Uh, I'm going to give you some reasons for optimism for the 2020 pack. Some things that scare the shit out of me. Some players I'm high on, maybe not so high on. And then I'm going to go game by game. Like I said last time, I'm going to go game by game to give you my prediction for this team's regular season record. Sound fun? Don't worry, it will be. When is this show not fun? Never. Look, I might not be the best X's and O's guy, but I'm bringing the fun. Even when they lose and I'm pissed, you have to admit the show is still fun, right? It's a final fun listen, right? It's like Chuck E. Cheese here. I'm like, Packers, podcast, Chuck E. Cheese. I like that. All right, so before we get into the fun, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love or at the very least tolerate. Twitter, LemsMKE, at It's Just Chris Now. Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. Email, got a couple emails recently. Keep those coming. I like getting those. Uh, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts at gmail.com. For anybody listening on the wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page, leave a rating, five stars, me likey those the most. Four stars are okay, anything else, forget it. Comments are always welcome if they're positive. And this is exciting, Packers Talk is now on Spotify. Oh yeah, we're in with all the hip cool kids on Spotify now. Make room, Packers Talk is there. To find us, just search for Packers Talk. Now a few podcasts come up, I'm told. But you should be able to recognize our logo, which is Vince Lombardi, the the head of the Vince Lombardi statue outside of Lambeau. That's our logo. Look for that. Add us there, and you can check us out on that. I'm on Spotify. Look at me. I feel really cool. You know, I'm in my late 30s. I got a couple of kids now. I'm married. I don't always feel as cool as I used to, but being on Spotify, I get some cool points back, which is good. All right, so let's go. Let's dive right in. Let's did this. Let's preview the season, baby. But first, before we go forwards, I think it's good to take a a quick look back at what kind of team the 2019 Packers were. In short, they were a good team that benefited from a whole lot of luck. A whole lot of luck. Injury luck. Didn't have any major injuries on the squad. That cost guys, you know, big, big, big chunks of games or a season. I know, like, Devontae Adams missed, was it, three games a month with his toe injury? But, I mean, like, severe, like, season-ending, crippling injuries to the roster. Didn't have any of those. Schedule luck. 
not having to play Pat Mahomes in Kansas City on Sunday night last year. In game luck. I mean, we all remember that first Lions game. Come on. We have to admit, we got some help from, from, the, from the stripes on that one. From the Zebes. Uh, you know, the ball just bounced their way. And you know what? To use a hockey term, the puck luck was there for that team. That's not to say you should feel bad about any of it, because you shouldn't. I said that all throughout last season, that they were a lucky team, and hey, you never feel bad about that. And that's not to say they were bad either, because they most certainly were not a bad team. I think a lot of the... I've been kind of irked reading some of the national stuff about this team as we near the start of the season, that you know that they were kind of like... To read some of these guys, you'd think the Packers were a 5-10 and 10 team that like... You know, lucked their way into three and thirteen. That's not. That's no. That was. That's bullshit. But I will say, by most measurable statistics and most most measurable standards, they were closer to like a nine to ten win team that did get luck and ended up at thirteen and three. Again, that's not a bad thing. Why would you apologize for that? Who gives a shit? I end up there, right? And that's as good a place as any to pivot into discussing this twenty twenty team. Look, there's no nice way to say it. Odds are this team won't be as lucky this year. There will likely be some major injuries suffered along the way and probably some piss-poor luck, both in terms of, again, in-game luck and schedule luck. That does not necessarily mean this team is doomed to say, you know, six wins, seven wins, eight wins. That's not the case. It just means other areas of the club are going to have to be better than they were last year to counteract the shit luck when it strikes. Good news on that front. I do think there are a couple of areas that will be better. Maybe even much better than last year. And the first area is, well, the club as a whole. Chris, what the hell are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> Don't worry, let me explain. So this has obviously been as a weird as hell season already, right? No OTAs, no mini camps, an abbreviated training camp, no preseason games. Any team that is trying to fit new players into key roles, that team is going to be severely behind schedule this year. Free agents, yes. But that's especially true for teams who are going to be relying on rookies. It just seems to me like we'll see very few rookies make any major impact this year, you know? At least for the first, I don't know, six to eight weeks, nine weeks. Yeah. That's going to be tough. They're going to be behind, you know? It's just, it's, they, they have to get acclimated and learn, and they didn't have any, you know, everything has been abbreviated. Well, that's not going to be a problem for the Packers, is it? <laughs> They're only counting on really inside linebacker Christian Kirksey and, and right tackle Rick Wagner to step into critical roles. And it really, it might end up only being Kirksey if they end up going with Lane Taylor at right guard and Billy Turner at right tackle, which kind of looks like that's going to be how they start the season. Rookies? Well, I covered that pretty extensively after the draft on the show, didn't I? That they, Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur drafted heavily for the future, as we all know. At this point, running back A.J. Dillon and inside linebacker Kamal Martin are the only two guys I can look at and say they may even kind of be called on to play extensively this season. And even those two are long shots right now, you know? Dylan is third on the depth chart at running back behind Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And Martin starting the year on IR after uh, knee surgery, which broke my heart because he was really showing out in camp. My guy, my gopher, Kamal Martin. Hopefully his knee can get get well soon and he can get back on the field because 
He's a player, I'm telling you. I think the Packers got a player there. Not just me being a homer, but kind of. So that's my long-winded way of saying Green Bay's continuity could and should end up being a major positive. Yes, the inactivity in free agency and the approach to the draft, drafting for the long term, drove us all nuts at the time. No doubt about it. But when you look at it now, I think the Packers are uniquely set up to navigate the difficulties this weird season will have in store. You know? The locker room is already established. The leadership council, if you, if you will, is already established. Everybody kind of knows their roles. Not to say some guys won't be doing new things, because they will, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but the continuity is there. You know, it's almost like a college team that's, you know, just that has a lot of upperclassmen coming back. There's not going to be much they have to change or alter. That will serve them well, I think. Now, of course, continuity without ability doesn't mean a ton, right? So the Packers will have to actually be better in certain areas. And I definitely think they will be. Let's start offensively. I think you're going to see a much improved unit this season. Well, I don't think we'll see as much of the true Matt LaFleur offense as we would have with a full offseason. I do think we'll see more of his stamp on that side of the ball this year. And I think you're going to see players much more comfortable with that, with the new stuff, and with the stuff that they learned last year. And that, of course, starts with the trigger man, the trigger man, Aaron Rodgers. Let's be honest. Rodgers was not great last year. He showed us flashes of the old 12. A game or two here, a game there. And to be sure, he can still come up with those work of art throws we've come to know him for. But overall, he wasn't the dominant force he's been. Now, I do think the reports of his demise are greatly exaggerated. It was funny. I saw, I was on Instagram. They reposted ESPN's quarterback rankings. I don't know if it was a composite or if it was a specific analyst, but they had Rodgers as like 15th. That is, I'm sorry to say, fucking laughable. If you think there are 15 quarterbacks in the NFL better than Aaron Rodgers, or 15, 14 quarterbacks that you take, that's laughable. It's a joke. I mean, at this point, there's still only maybe four or five quarterbacks I would take over him. That'd be about it. Now, having said that, Rodgers, he does need to be better. His mechanics, his footwork, they've fallen off. They were at all-time lows last year. Not setting his feet, too much throwing, fading away. Still, I think a little, still too much home run chasing, you know? Still trying to make rushers miss like he did six to seven years ago. And, you know, that's just not possible. He's just not that guy anymore. Talked about that in depth on the uh, State of the Pack series that I did back in the spring. Still, I'll tell you what, I'm expecting a different Aaron Rodgers this year. I really am. One, he's more comfortable in the offense. Even if he sort of, shall we say, bucked against the new stuff last year, I think he'll do less of that this year. I think there's more... Rodgers seems to be more accepting of things this year. Just, you know, reading his comments and watching his interviews and stuff. I think last year he kind of... I don't know. Just wasn't thrilled with things. Especially, you know, initially after LaFleur was hired and, you know, the offseason last year in camp. And even throughout the season, it got a little better, but just felt like he was still sort of, you know, thrashing against this new system. 
That doesn't seem to be the case as much this year. Two, this is big. He claims he saw something. He said this recently. He saw something on a 2010 cut-up tape, and it's he's been doing that again. And it's really benefited him. Benefited him. Media reports and practice seem to back this up. Reporters were talking about how on fire Rogers was in the days after he says he, he saw this tape. And by all accounts, he had a really, really good camp, which is great. And three, I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is big. Pure, uncut, up yours, vengeance. Look, our guy Aaron is saying all the right things publicly. As you would expect, he's not going to be Favre. He's not going to do what Favre did. He's going to say all the right things publicly. But we all know he's pissed off. There's no way he isn't still pissed off about the drafting of Jordan Love. I, along with others, I think, have wondered if maybe Rodgers was a little too comfortable these past few years. You know, he gets the big contract. He's the highest paid player in league history as far as average salary. His his status on the roster, his status in Green Bay was never in doubt. I wondered if maybe he didn't get a little too comfy if there wasn't a little bit of too much of a country club vibe around Aaron Rodgers. Well, guess what? That's gone now. Rodgers now knows the clock is ticking on his time in Green Bay. And guess what? I mean, we know he ain't going to want to go out with a whimper. He's going to want to go out with a bang. And that will only benefit the Packers. It's weird saying that, that Rodgers is Rogers being pissed off at the Packers will only benefit the Packers. We can admit that's a weird as hell thing to say, but it's true. That's what it's going to be. Him being mad is going to force him to lock in. We all know chip on his shoulder Aaron is the best Aaron. Pissed off Aaron is the best Aaron. Well, we've got that Aaron back now, don't we? And that's going to benefit the Packers and us as fans. That's a good thing. (laughs) Again, that's weird being like, he's mad and that's good for us. But it is. It is. But it's not just 12. No, no, no. I think you're going to see Aaron Jones be at least as good, if not better, than last year. Mostly because I think you're going to see him become even more of a factor in the passing game. Think about how many downfield shots they took that that they that uh, they drew up for him last year that just missed. What if they hit those this year? Imagine what his numbers will look like. Imagine what kind of impact he'll have. I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's he's going to have a big, big, big year. And also, two words, contract year. Can't be overstated. It can't. He's trying to get paid either by the Packers or somebody else. I know he said that they're in talks. It feels like they've been in talks for a while. I I don't know if the Packers are going to... Quick aside on that, I'm not sure if the Packers are actually going to do anything with Aaron Jones until late in the year. I think they kind of want to see how his body holds up and see what Williams looks like, see what A.J. Dillon looks like before they make any big decisions. I know people were freaking out about that. I'm not. They'll, they'll, if they re-sign him, it's not going to be until late November, early December. I, I can almost guarantee you that. I shouldn't say that because I'm going to send this off to CD and Al and like tomorrow they're going to sign him to an extension, but whatever. So I won't guarantee it, but I feel pretty good about saying that anyway. And uh, you know what? The contract theory thing applies for the remaining member of Green Bay's offensive triumvirate, Devontae Adams. This hasn't been talked about much, if at all, really. But... Devontae only has two years left on his contract. If he has another monster season, it seems extremely likely that he'll be due for a pricey extension next spring, right? Because I doubt he's going to want to go into 2021 on the last year of his deal. That just that just doesn't seem fathomable to me. 
I think he's going to want to renegotiate. So this is basically a contract year for him as well. And I'll tell you what, I'm expecting Devontae to have another monster season too. If he stays healthy and can play 15, 14, 15, 16 games, he's going to have a huge year. Yeah. Because he right now, I think, is... Last year, and this, I think he's right in the, the, the fat part of his prime. He's right in the middle of it. So, I expect no drop-off from Devontae. And then Alan Lazard, fully entrenched as the number two wide receiver. I think he's going to really continue to blossom this year as well. Remember... He began last year as an afterthought. Not for people like me. Hashtag Team Lazard 2019 training camp. But for a lot of people. And look, he just kept on coming more and more as the season progressed. Having him start the year in the number two role, that's going to be a huge benefit both for him and for the offense. And I love the camp Marquez Valdez-Scantling, MVS as we call him here on the show, had. No, I'm not ready to reopen MVS Industries. We're still in bankruptcy hearings. But I do think you'll see more from him this year. And I love shifting Tyler Irvin. I love shifting Tyler Irvin to basically a wide receiver role. Now, I think you're going to really, see him line up all over the place. And a creative offensive mind like uh, Matt LaFleur, he's going to know how to create mismatches for him. I'm really excited about Tyler Irvin. I don't know if he'll be like, you know, having huge games every week. But I think he'll be a guy that will make game-breaking plays. Or at least there's that potential for it every time he touches the ball. That shifts how a defense comes at the Packers. That's huge. They've never really had a guy like that. You know, Randall Cobb a little bit, I guess, but not really. I mean, it's going to be really exciting to see what he does with Tyler Irvin. I'm really pumped about that. And then we come to the apple of my eye, tight end Jay Sternberger. Look, I know he had a quiet camp. And I know some people are nervous. Not me. Chris Lampus, head of the Jay Sternberger fan club, is telling you to keep buying Jay stock. Keep buying it. Add it to your portfolios. Call your broker. I'm telling you, this kid is going to be really, really good. Now, having said that, he might be a little slow out of the gate. But I think he's going to just keep improving as the year goes on. Keep getting better and better and better. And by the end of the year, he's going to be really, really good. And if that happens... The Packers would then have really four key pieces for Rodgers to lean on, right? Jones, Adams, Lazard, and Sternberger. When last year, they really only had two. Jones and Adams. That's a huge difference. I'm telling you, look the hell out if that happens. If they have four guys that 12 can lean on, look the F out. And yeah, losing a stalwart like right tackle Brian Balaga, Iowa, is never great. But they're still bringing back almost the entire offensive line. They'll be the same at least from left tackle to center. But really, even if it ends up being Lane Taylor at right guard and Billy Turner at right tackle, I mean, Taylor's been there so long, you know, and Turner's already been there. He just, you know, moving over a slot. I mean, they still have so much continuity up front. I'm really not that worried about it. That continuity is huge. And I love the depth they have there, something I have not been able to say all the time in recent years. Uh, I know some people are worried about the offensive line, very concerned. Some people are. I, I think the group will be fine. I, I think they'll be I think they'll do just fine up front. Now, so far you're probably like, wow, Chris, you really sound like a mega ultra positive patty here. But really, I do like how this offense sets up. I like it a great deal. I don't know if they're gonna be a top five unit in the league. I would say hold on on that. But I do think they'll be so much better than last year. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Now we move to the other side of the ball. 
Enough talking about the glory boys on offense. Let's talk about the defense. I'm feeling, well, not as great. Okay, so some areas on the defense I love. And others, others do have me sort of Najee Davenporting myself. Pooping my pants a little bit. So let's start with the positive. Let's keep the positive vibes going for now. In terms of top two corners and starting safeties, in other words, starting secondaries, I think the Packers are up there with the best in the league. The hiring of Jerry Gray as the new defensive backs coach had and still has me so excited. His track record is very impressive. Very impressive. That, combined with the talent at the top, makes this a group that is going to really, I think, take off this year. Jair, you all know how much I love Jair. Look, this is this year he's going to have the year I thought he'd have last year. I fully believe that. Year three is going to be what I thought year two would be for him. He's going to be... I'll predict he's going to be one of the top three corners in the game by the end of the season. I really believe that. Uh, Kevin King finally stayed healthy last year. Really liked what he did last year. Showed how good he can be when he's healthy. And I expect Gray to iron out the kinks that still remain in his game. Now, Jerry Gray won't make him faster. So King will always have that limitation. But I think Gray will really mold him into being one of the better number two corners in the league. Absolutely. Also, two more words. Contract year. Can't overstate that. And Shannon Sullivan, I, I I, think he's going to step into that number three corner role and build on the strong season he had last year in somewhat limited duty. But I think he's ready, man. He Look, that's what you want. You want your number four corner to put in work and be good and earn a promotion. That's what he's earned. He's earned that. He's ready for it. And I'm excited about what he's going to do. So not even just top two corners in safety. I think from the top three corners in safeties. Love it. Adrian Amos. Let's talk about the safeties. He provided a real stabilizing presence last year, and I think that's going to continue. And I'll tell you what, get ready for Darnell Savage. He struggled with that ankle injury last year, but he, as he got further and further away from it, and Pro Football Focus had some numbers a month or two ago that backed this up, as he got further and further away from his ankle injury, he got better and better. His numbers improved. Now, fully comfortable in year two, I'm ready to see him take off, and I think he will. When he was drafted, I I said, look at Savage and Amos kind of as like a guitar player and a bass player, right? The bass player lays down the groove, nothing flashy or very rarely flashy. And the guitar player, if it's tight, then that allows the lead guitar player to kind of go off on these crazy solos and tangents and shit. I think that's what you're going to see out of these Packer safeties this year. Adrian Amos, the Michael Anthony to Darnell Savage's Eddie Van Halen, if you will. What other show does this? What other show says Amos and Savage will be like Michael Anthony and Eddie Van Halen? You tell me. Is there one? Come on. You know there isn't. Only Lamps brings you that. Now, in terms of front seven, I'm expecting the Smiths and Kenny Clark to be every bit as dominant as they were last year. And as long as he stays healthy, I do think Kirksey will be an upgrade over Blake Martinez, an inside linebacker. I think some of these media reports have been a little breathless <laughs> about Kirksey. Don't expect him to be like prime Patrick Willis, <laughs> you know, or Ray Lewis or something. He's not going to be that. But I do think he'll be a fairly sizable upgrade over Blake Martinez. Yes, because he's an athlete, you know. And I said with Blake Martinez, it wasn't that Martinez, like he was smart, right? He knew where to be. He just didn't have the hitch. He just didn't have the giddy up to get there. 
Kirksey does. That alone will be a big upgrade. So you're like, wow, Chris, this is you again. You all, you sound so positive. Where are you pooping yourself? Where are you, Najee Davenporting? You might be asking. Well, I guess is that even fair to say Najee Davenport shit in that girl's closet? I'm shitting myself. I just like I just anytime I can mention Najee on the show, I got to do it. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So you probably guessed it. The run defense. I don't know how else to say it. I'm still completely terrified of this run defense. Not in a good way. I know I'm not the only one still having flashbacks to the NFC Championship game. Can't just be me. But it obviously was not just that horrifying night in January. The run defense was a major issue all last season. People like me, if you remember, I kept saying on the show it was most likely to be the thing that ended Green Bay's season. And, well, I was proven right. And I know it's a new year and you should be looking ahead, but it's just I'm still having a hard time seeing how it's going to be any better. Kenny's Kenny. He's great. I love Kenny Clark. But who else can you really rely on up front as of now? Dean Lowry, sure, he could bounce back, but he was really bad last year. Tyler Lancaster did not take the step forward like I hoped he would. And Montrevious Adams is, well, whatever. (laughs) I know a lot of people are on the Kingsley Kiki train, and I said during my State of the Pack series, back in the spring, that I think he showed some flashes last year. You had to really look for him, but he showed him. But I don't know. Maybe he'll be... I just... It's hard to see Kiki making that much of an impact to turn things around, you know? I'm just not seeing the Packers being capable of avoiding being bullied up front. Right now, anyways, I'm not. They still look like the same unit that really kind of got pushed around a lot last year. And again, yeah, Kirksey will help. Maybe someone like Orrin Burks or Ty Summers or Martin, when he gets healthy, will chip in too. Maybe they surprise us and end up signing a Snacks Harrison. After all, he did say on Twitter this week that the Packers had contacted him. But it's just so hard, you know what I mean? It's just so hard to see it happening. Again, as of right now. But they got to get it figured out, man, because teams are going to copy the San Francisco blueprint on the Packers. There is zero question about that. No, they're not going to run it 95% of the time like the Niners did back in January. But they will test this unit, especially with Green Bay looking so strong on the back end. You know, it's just simple. If if a team looks weak in one area and great in another, then the attack area, they look weak, right? Simple coaching. Mike Pettin, make no mistake, he is coaching for his job this year. He can help things. I think he needs to run less nickel and dime than he did last year. I can't remember the number specifically. But I saw this a while back. Green Bay ran an extraordinarily high percentage of nickel and dime defenses, I think, in 2019. Which, of course, of course doing that leaves yourself vulnerable to, vulnerable to being run on. I'd like to see him run a little more base this year. You know? I think that would really help things. Yeah, you might teams might pass on you a little more. But, you know, there's always going to be things you're vulnerable to on defense. I think the idea is to shore yourself up in as, much, in as many areas as possible. And I think the formula got too lopsided last year. It was too like, well, we don't want teams to pass on us, but if you want to run on us, go ahead. And I know they won a lot of games last year, but again, a lot of that was luck. You're not going to get lucky like that again this year. You know? So, but but either way, schematically, whatever they do, the Packers are still going to need a couple of guys to step up this year. Dean Lowry, you know? Kiki, someone like that. A couple guys are going to have to step up. Talent. That would fix this. Talented. Dean Lowry's a talented player. Play talented. And while I love that's master of the obvious, but you know. And look, while I love the starting corners plus Shannon Sullivan, 
it is not an incredibly deep group. That's another area that has me terrified. Actually, after Sullivan, there's nothing but questions at corner, right? Josh Jackson hasn't done anything his first couple years in the league. Questions about his foot speed. Questions about is he is he a capable enough athlete to play at this level? I wonder about that. Kadar Holman, on the flip side, is an incredible athlete. Go look at his numbers from his regional combine before the 2019 draft. But he's raw. He redshirted last year. Is he going to be ready to step in if called upon? Who knows? So I, I'm really, there's a real concern if any of those top three get hurt, which, I mean, over the course of a season, you'd expect an injury or two to happen there. The depth, if it gets tested, I'm not sure how it's going to hold up. That concerns me. And I know I'm going to sound like a downer here, but I need Rashawn Gary to do something in a game before I'm buying it. Look, the off-season workout videos are fantastic. The breathless training camp reports are fantastic, but they're not doing it for me. He needs to produce in a game. He's got all the ability in the world, right? But the story of his career going back to the University of Michigan is all hype, not as much production. Rookie year, look, I'll give him a pass. And the Smiths made that easy because they were so great last year. But year two, it's time. He needs to produce. And Jesus, I'm going to say this for the 9,000th time. I sure hope the coaching staff moves him around a little bit or a lot bit and uses that athleticism to create some mismatches. That would really help things. So, add it all up, and you've got a team that, well, let's do that now, shall we? Let's go game by, I know this is what you want. I'm going to go game by game, and your old pal Chris is going to tell you what he thinks Green Bay's record will be in 2020. Okay, let's go. Week 1, Sunday, Packers at Vikings. Noon, U.S. Bank Stadium. I think the Packers open the season with a win. I think Minnesota's in a bit of a transition, especially on defense. You know, I know they added Justin Jefferson, who a lot of people like in the draft. I liked in the draft. But again, I talked about rookies being behind the eight ball. It's going to be tough. I think the Packers go into U.S. Bank Stadium, get the W. Week two, home opener. Lions at Packers, noon. Lambeau Field. No fans at this one. I think the Packers win that one as well. I think the Packers get to 2-0. Week 3. This is a tough one. Packers at Saints. Sunday night football. We know the Saints will have, like I said earlier, will have some fans in the stands. How many? We don't know. I tend to think this will be a loss for the Packers. It's not so much because not so much because I think New Orleans is a tough place to play because they won't have as many fans, but just the Saints are really good, and they kind of they're kind of all in to get Breeze one more. I think that's probably a loss for the Packers, unfortunately. Week four, Monday Night Football. The Atlanta Falcons from Hotlanta come on in to Lambeau Field. That's a win for the Packers. We're going to three and one. Bye week, the worst week of the season. Week five. Week six, ooh, the showdown. Aaron Rodgers v. Tom Brady. Packers at Buccaneers. October 18th, tentative, uh, late game, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Uh, I, I think this one's probably a loss. Yeah, probably this one's a loss for the Packers, I would say. I would say it's so now at this point, they are, what do I have them at? One, two, they're three and two. Week 7, October 25th, Packers go to Houston. 
to face J.J. Watt and the Houston Texans, that's a win. The Packers win that. That's a really... Those two games, Packers uh, at Tampa and at Houston, if they could just split those, I'd be thrilled. And I think they will. So now I've got them at 4-2. and two. Uh, Week 8, November 1st, Vikings at Packers, Lambeau Field. That's a win. That's a win and a season sweep over the Minnesota Vikings. So the Packers will now be... Why am I so bad at counting? Oh, math wasn't for my strong suit. What, 2-1, 3-1, 3-2, 4-2, 5-2. Week 9. Oh, boy. Packers at San Francisco 49ers. The House of Horrors. <laughs> Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. I... Oh, I hate saying this. This one's probably a loss. Yeah. It's probably a loss for the Packers. So now at this point, they are 5-3. and three. Week 10, Jaguars, the tanking Jacksonville Jaguars, going all in to get Trevor Lawrence in the 2021 draft. We'll aid them in that cause. Packers win that, advance to 6-3 and three on the season. We go to week 11, Packers at Colts. This should be a good one. Uh, Aaron Rodgers v. Phil Rivers. Um, I think the Packers... Ugh. That's going to be a tough one. I do like the Colts. I'm going to say the Packers win that one. So I've got them now at seven and is it seven and three? Oh boy, my math sucks. <laughs> One, two and zero. Oh. This is this is an enthralling podcast listening. I'm sure. Two and one, three and one, three and two, four and two, five and two, three, six and three, seven and three after the Colts game. Bears at Packers. The Bears still suck. Packers win that. Eight and three. Week thirteen. Eagles at Packers. <sighs> this one, I'm going to say this one's a loss. I'm going to say the Packers lose. I hate, hate losing to the Eagles, but I think they lose that game. Eight and four. Week 14, Packers at Lions. Noon start, Ford Field. I'm going to say the Packers win that, so we're nine and four. Uh, week 15, Panthers at Packers. Right now, it's still listed as to be determined on the official Packers app. So, um, is that right? I said 8-4. and four. Yeah, 9-4 and four after the, the Lions game. Panthers, I'm going to say the Packers win that. 10-4. and four. Titans at Packers. Lambeau Field. Week 16. That one feels like a loss. I'm going to say Packers lose that. And closing the season, week 17, Packers at Soldier Field. Bears still suck, and the Packers win that. So let me add that up here. That's, I think, is that 11 and 5? 1, 2, 2 and 1, 3 and 1. And four, 10 and 4, 10 and 5. Yep, 11 and 5. That seems about right to me. I hope that was exciting. I, that might not have been as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I, it was still pretty good, though. So, yeah, there you have it. The Packers will finish 11 and 5 in 2020. That should be good enough to win the division, I think. I don't think the division's great this year, so I do think that'll that'll win. I don't know if it'll get them a first-round bye. Probably not. Probably 11 and 5 would say maybe the three seed in the NFC. 
As for the playoffs, you know, it's hard to say. I used to predict that stuff back in the old OBOD days, but now I just do regular season. Hey, man, let's just hope we can get through the regular season without COVID gumming up the works right. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. I just hope we can get through 16 games. To paraphrase Jim Mora. All right, so that about wraps up this episode of the show. It will not be long before you hear from me again, folks. In fact, three days until you hear from me again. As I will be back Sunday night to recap the Packers-Vikings season opener. Can't wait. I know it's going to be weird, but it's the Packers. They're back in our lives. That's always a good thing. So until next time, whenever that might be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you, I love you, I love you. Stay safe out there in this crazy world. And remember, always and forever, go pack, go.